Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. Welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins, alongside Jeremy Scott, the voice of CinemaSins, and Barrett Scher, writer of music video sins, and... His partner in crime, Jay Lalonde, also from Music Video Sins. And uh, we are all together for the first time, but not really, uh, (laughs) as we are all speaking over the internet in various rooms of our houses and whatever we're. Um, So um, uh, today what we're going to talk about, we're going to go into Quentin Tarantino and The Hateful Eight, right? Oh, yeah. All right. Maybe Jay, since we haven't heard from Jay before, why don't we go in uh, Hateful Eight, just start talking about it, man. I love it. And nice, too. This is a all-hands meeting here. Um, a lot of people don't realize none of us have ever seen each other. Um, and it's uh, nice to be talking with you guys. Uh, I, I really like this film. It's definitely not Tarantino's best film, but... I love the way it was directed, obviously, and then shot like a play. And then Jennifer Jason Lee is a beastly woman in it. And that's my kind of gal, you know. Um, I thought it was 20 minutes, a little too long and a little indulgent. But, I mean, it's a Tarantino film, so I'm just going to go with it. As a former East Tennessean, I'm going to celebrate the dude. And um, you, I love everything he does, dude. He's amazing. Yeah, um, I am. Um... I, I really like this too. I'm the same way about it. You know, Tarantino has gotten to the point where he's made so many great movies that once he comes out with something that's below that, you're, you kind of feel start, you start feeling disappointed, even though you shouldn't be. Um, and, and this is a really good movie. This is one that's got, you know, I mean, like you said, Jennifer Jason Lee is great in it. And Walton Goggins, who I believe almost everybody feels steals the, steals the movie. Um, is really good in it. I'm, I agree with you on the the length too. I think I think where that probably could have gotten trimmed was at the beginning, um, where they're where it's Kurt Russell and Jennifer Jason Lee and Walton Goggins and all them going to the place. Um, that that takes forever, and you you know you don't know where you're quite going. There's some great things in it, but. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's where I, I mean, I, I think that's just a, a minor nitpick. No, it's interesting that you actually uh, mentioned that first part because that first part was, was one of my favorite parts f- pretty much for the reason that you were, you were saying, I like how all the pieces are fitting together, but v- very deliberately, you know what I mean? Right. Like, uh, we, we, we wander upon and, and he even makes a note of it, uh, 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 Kurt Russell saying, you know, what are the odds that there's another guy in a blizzard wandering around in my path, you know? Right. So, uh, it, it uh, and, and that's some of the, the funnest dialogue. Matter of fact, when I started watching that, I, it, it was like, you ever had a food that you, you forget how good it is. Like for me, it's like hot wings. Like when I eat hot wings, I remember, Hey, that's really good. Uh, food. <laughs> and like when I, when I was, when I heard that dialogue at the beginning, I was like, and we'll keep all this stuff spoiler free for Jeremy and for everybody. But at the beginning, that dialogue was like, God damn it. Like, I really love Quentin Tarantino movies. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and now it kind of reminded me of that. And it, of course, it goes into a whole other universe when they get to the haberdashery and everything. But uh, yeah, I really like that that part of it. Well, and I, and I don't mean to you know, impugn it. But I think it's I think it's good. Impugned. Impugned. <laughs> I think it's good. I just think it, it's just a little bit on the long side, considering where we're going. 
um, where the movie's going to end up. But but I, I agree with you. There's a lot of great stuff in it, the dialogue and all that. Um, movie is super violent. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's gotten into the the blood porn. It looks like you know from between Django and uh, and this, he's really looking to see how much liquid can come out of a chest impact of a bullet yeah get away with and and it's and it's weird that he puts you through the motions because jennifer jason lee uh as as great as she is uh her character is reprehensible but she's also she's also getting destroyed by kurt russell in this movie yeah and and it's like I have really, really I, I, this is probably the point, but I have really really divided feelings on this whole thing, um, and, you know, because you're sitting there going, yeah, she's she's kind of a bitch, but I don't know if you know she deserves to get punched as hard as she does all, all the way through this movie. <laughs> um, you know, the the interesting thing about Tarantino is there's there's always something else going on and and uh, and and with Kurt Russell's presence in it, it was hard not to uh, think of the movie The Thing during it. Um, I don't know uh, if you yeah. guys have ever seen ever seen The Thing, uh, but it's another one where you have people who are trapped in a uh, in one location. It's snowy. Uh, and there is, you know, a quote unquote demon or something that's going on. And, he, and in this case, it's the mysterious killer or whatever it is um, that is threatening their lives while they're inside of it. Um, so there, there's a lot of stuff, you know, there's a lot of parallels you can draw to the thing in this. And, I, and that's a, another interesting way to look at it. And the other way to look at it is uh, is uh, Agatha, Agatha Christie's Ten Little Indians. Yeah. Um, there's another one that's uh, that kept coming to mind while I was watching it. Um, you know, people who are all invited to one spot, and again, they have to stay in this one place. Uh, but there's this, you know, mysterious killer that's going around, and so that's the thing that I like about uh, Tarantino movies is it's not always just what you see. There's a lot of subtext. What what the general consensus is on this between this and his last film Django Unchained is that he's into westerns now and he's only filming westerns and that's this is a western but this is not a western this is it it goes between genres very seamlessly between mystery and like action and like western and like revenge and like you know it, it, it's not pigeonholed into to one specific thing and even when you think it's going to like settle into this three act type of uh, mystery, like an Agatha Christie play or something like that. It goes off the chains and it goes into to something else and they go to, you know, maybe a flashback or something like that, you know? Yeah. And don't you guys feel like Samuel L is just a guarantee. I know he's had some shitty movies, but I, I there's so much trust I have in him. No, as soon as I see him, I just, it's immediate. It's like, I, like if he called me a motherfucker, I, I would actually believe him. I'd be like, I, I, he might be right. <laughs> he might, you know, like, so, he, and then he, of course, recently made the news with what he was saying, like Donald Trump or whatever cheats in golf. I, I totally believe him and everything Samuel L says on and off screen. He's just, I think the only guarantee out there. I, uh, I, I obviously love Samuel L. Jackson, uh, the, I, I think more when he's in a Tarantino or he's in a Spike Lee movie than any other 
type of thing because he's always he's always elevated in those movies. Uh, of course, if you look at the IMDb, Samuel Jackson's been in like, I think 200 movies. I think he's got a credit, uh, for about 200 movies and that's not an exaggeration. Um, uh, he's in, and it, so I'll, not all the time does his presence, uh, mean something for me, but, uh, but, it's, but in a Tarantino or a Spike Lee movie, for sure. I think we talked about this before, Chris, recently, but there's something about Tarantino that brings, something extra out of Samuel L. Like he, I don't get that presence and trust in the Marvel movies when he shows up. Right. Yeah. It's almost the opposite. <laughs> in fact, it's almost the opposite. Right. It's, I get the credit card commercial Samuel L. in those movies, but when he's in a Tarantino film, he just, he goes to up two or three levels. Yeah. But even then, but even then I feel like if, when he's doing a, like a credit card commercial or those types of films, he's, he's like looking at me as a viewer and he's saying, dude, I'm just getting paid. I'm just getting paid. Go with me on this one. I'll see you around the corner in another Tarantino film. And I'm just like, cool. I got you, man. Get paid. Well, and, and speaking of another guy who has only been nominated one time, <laughs> Pulp yeah. Fiction is his only nomination. Well, actually, no, he got nominated for uh, uh, Django, didn't he? Um, I'm not sure about that. I don't have that in front of me, but he's only been nominated a couple of times. Um, and, and he's another beloved actor. Um, so he had been nominated for this. Well, it's weird, right? Only Jennifer Jason Lee got nominated out of this group. Um, Walton Goggins, who everybody, uh, raves about. He's uh, terrific. Is, is not nominated at all. Uh, Yeah, actually. And I'm, I'm looking it up now and Samuel Jackson was only nominated for Pulp Fiction. He hasn't been nominated for anything else. Which is amazing because he is great in every Tarantino movie. He's great in Jackie Brown. He's great in Django. He's great in this. But uh, the you're talking about Jennifer Jason Leigh getting nominated. The you know this is this reminds me a little bit of the and this is sort of off track. I don't want to get it totally off track, but it sort of reminds me of The Departed, where Mark Wahlberg was the only one that got nominated out of The Departed. Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, anyway, uh, wherever it's expedient, I guess. Yeah, that, that's a that's a surprise because I, I liked her performance as much as as anybody. But yeah, I, I thought Samuel L. Jackson and Walton Goggins and uh, I, I I think Tim Roth should win like every award ever because I just love him. Yeah, you know, I think Tim Roth's him, great in this too. Anything. And a lot of people, I, I guess, are thinking, well, that should that was probably Christoph Waltz's character at one point or whatever. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, Tim Roth is does it. I mean, I didn't really sit there and think, man, I wish Chris, Christoph Waltz was in this because Tim Roth is awesome. No, yeah, I don't, I don't think so because if you if you watch all the Tarantino and kind of off-brand Tarantino films, like you see Tim Roth do every version of Tim Roth that he has done in a Tarantino film. You know, he, he did like, you know what I mean? Like he does the tough tough guy act from like Reservoir Dogs, and he does the Cockney from Pulp Fiction, and then he does the uh, the very uh, proper. Uh, uh, British gentleman uh, thing, which is actually uh, you see in in uh, Four Rooms, right, right. Was that was directed by Four Rooms uh, by uh, Tarantino, yeah. And so he kind of goes between all those things in in this performance, yeah. But uh, I mean, I guess this is, could be a, a good forum here to talk about Tarantino movies in general, and and Jeremy and I uh, talk about Jackie Brown a lot. I'll, I'll let since Jeremy hasn't had a chance to really get in on this, uh, talk about Jackie Brown a little bit because we both love that movie. Oh man, it's it's by far my favorite Tarantino film, and I would probably argue 
with people that disagreed that meant that it's his best. Um, and one of the reasons I love it, I think, is that it's one of the only times Tarantino's dealing with somebody else's source material. And I haven't ever read the Elmore Leonard novel that it's based on, but I understand he made plenty of changes. Um, but still, uh, when he has his own unique original idea, that I think is where we get all the Tarantino excess that, you know, I think true tr Tarantino fans love that. But for me, it's always a little bit too much. Like you look at something like Kill Bill, where he does that cartoon segment with the girl in the bedroom and all the fucking blood. And <laughs> that's the kind of thing that will keep me from putting that movie in and watching it over and over again. Even though, I mean, I guess I feel like it's, it's more to make a point than it is to be part of my entertainment or enjoyment of the film. Um, and in Jackie Brown, I don't get, I don't get as much of that excess. I feel like maybe he was reined in a little bit because he had, you know, his pre-existing story. And man, I can watch that movie every day for the rest of my life. It's just such an easygoing, interesting, full of complex, weird ass characters. And it's this mystery. I don't even like all the performances in it, but it's by far my favorite Tarantino movie. And isn't that interesting too that you know uh, Jackie Brown is is a fairly violent movie, but there's not a lot of like let's show the blood splatter all over the place right. <laughs> uh, type of stuff. Um, you know, I, almost everybody who who gets shot on screen or off is off screen or whatever, but uh, that it, there's not you know this whole idea that we need to show how bloody it is or whatever. We get the point. Um, Jackie Brown for me is just one. Of, I just love how they just keep going to all these different perspectives. And this was what Tarantino was basically known for after Pulp Fiction, you know, doing the, you know, the different perspective of stories, but Jackie Brown, he takes it to another level, um, where he just keeps going to each character's perspective and it changes your idea of what was going on each time and and it's it's i just love it just for that just the how you know even though we're seeing the same events going on over and over towards the end it's it's always entertaining well and i one of my favorite little movie trivia things is that michael keaton is playing the same character here that he plays in out of sight which yeah, is ray nicolette yeah which is also based on an elmore leonard novel and uh we could do a whole podcast on out of sight because it's in my top 10 movies of all time. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, he's great. Um, Samuel L. Jackson is probably my favorite thing. And Jay will probably chime in here about yeah. looking into his soul. Yeah, it's true. Well, not just uh, Samuel L. <laughs> and Jackie Brown, but Pam Greer as well. You know, like she, yeah. I, 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 I quite fancy her in those, like, if you remember that flight attendant outfit she wore with those <laughs> giant shoulder pads, she yeah. looks like she's like ready for the Super Bowl, you know, and those giant shoulder pads. It's worth a look. It's worth a Google image, guys, is what I'm saying. This is the uh, earliest podcast we've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. It won't be the last, I'm sure. Uh, anyway, what I'm saying is she could play a linebacker with these shoulder pads. And, <laughs> and she was just, just, I think, such an underrated um, uh, actress and still is today, you know. So um, I agree. Jackie Brown's one of his best films and definitely one of the most underrated Tarantino films. And also, I love it when Tarantino ends up using an actress that he referred to in an earlier movie um, where, you know, Reservoir Dogs, they're having that movie conversation about Pam Greer and all that. And then later on, Pam Greer is in one of his movies. Yeah. Uh, I always, I always love stuff like that. I mean, I think, you know, people would be interested at least to know where we go after Jackie Brown, since not, 
I don't think the average Tarantino fan would pick Jackie Brown as their favorite. Most of them are going to pick Pulp Fiction, which would probably be my second favorite. But man, every time I watch that first scene in Inglorious Bastards, I want to shove that movie to the top of the list because that is just yeah. a scene. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, and that's that's Tarantino at his very, very best, that opening scene of that movie. Yeah. And and then he, he continues it later on when the Melanie Laurent character uh, is, uh, you know, having coffee with him later. Right. Um, and there's so much to that scene, you know, uh, him putting the cream in her coffee and she's Jewish and she can't, she can't drink it because she's Jewish. But, you know, he's sort of like feeling her out and trying to figure out if she's the one that got away and all this other stuff. Uh, you know, Inglorious Bastards is, is another great movie, but it's also another movie that just like ridiculously violent. Right. Um, and, but, but, you know, overall, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I agree. I'd have to put it up there as well. That's an example of that Jeremy was just talking about of, of Tarantino going off on excess because in with the reined in, uh, director or writer on that i think it could be tighter and i think it could probably be better because the the best moments in there are some of his best moments ever well yeah and you don't i don't think i don't look at it inglorious bastards and remember fondly the way over the top murder of you know hitler right like that's super (laughs) excessive and way over the top and i remember that movie for its little moments like chris was saying in the in the coffee shop and then in that opening scene uh the intimate and then even when he even when he grabs Brad Pitt and they have that conversation in the side room and he's sort of interrogating him, um, <clears throat> I mean those are the moments that are the best thing about that yeah. film. To well, me. Yeah. and and the the Fassbender thing where he holds up the wrong amount of oh, fingers Jesus. and all that such a you know the way he the way he builds that scene up too. There's there's absolutely nothing uh, in that scene where you're thinking this is going to end up being violent. And, and it's just, you know, it's them playing the little game with the cards on their heads and all sort of type of stuff. And, um, and you're like, okay, this is, this is just going on normally. They're just going to the next, they're just going to go to the next thing. And that's, that's what they're going to do and whatever. And then suddenly you have a guy who's just in the, you know, in the back of the room somewhere who in, inserts himself into this thing. And you're like, uh oh. They're they're gonna <laughs> this is this started to get a little bit more tense, and uh, he he builds that beautifully. Yeah, yeah, he's great at that. Well, per Jeremy's question, what's the next thing he does? I mean, uh, it's it's uh, yet to be seen, right? Like, I, I might be interested in seeing him take like a take a step back from any of the violent movies per se, and what, like, what if Tarantino goes back to like writing a romance or something like that? And- well, the problem is that he's been pretty vocal lately about only planning to make 10 movies total in his career and he's hmm. coming up on that. So, well, and that got- also reminds me, um, I, I probably told Jeremy and Barrett this at some point, I'm not sure, but, um, I remember, see, I'm a, I'm a big, huge fan of death proof and, um, yeah. And death proof is another movie that I feel like gets, um, a little get bit cast aside, much like Jackie Brown does. Um, I've watched Death Proof probably ten times. It's just one of those movies that I can watch anywhere, anywhere it's at in in the movie. I can watch it. Um, and uh, the thing is that I, I watched it one day and I looked it up and and I, I was just looking at stuff about Death Proof, and there was this headline that said uh, Tarantino says Death Proof's got to be the worst movie I've ever made. 
And and I'm like, that's I mean, that's weird to see when you when you love a movie and the creator comes out and says that he hates it. So I went and delved into it and I found I, I found out that he said this and it's completely out of context. And this is why you should never trust anything that you read on the Internet ever. <laughs> um, he he's in an interview with a whole bunch of directors. It's like David O. Russell and uh um, uh, the guy who did, uh, Les Miserables and uh, a whole bunch of people like that. And like, uh, there's a point where he says, and this goes back to the amount of movies he wants to make and all that other type of stuff. He says, he says, I want to get to the point where I don't want to get to where I'm too old to make a good movie. You see some of the older directors now and they try to make movies and they're not very good. And he says, at the end of my career, death proof's got to be the worst movie that I've made. Basically saying, you know, Death Proof is not not a bad movie. It's just that it's got to be it's got to be the bar for his worst movie. And and it's just something that I, you know, I realized, you know, it's more of an Internet thing. It's more of a don't believe the headlines you read type of thing. And uh, and and I'm sure he he holds Death Proof in some uh, uh, high regard. He just doesn't put it where his other movies are. But I do. I put it. I put it above. Uh, I put it probably third or fourth. Uh, it's just one of those movies that I love watching. Um, it does sort of uh, fall falter a little bit in the second half of it. Uh, the first half is almost perfect to me. Uh, but, uh, but it's a movie that's just, just the dialogue. You just get wrapped up in it the entire time. I love it. It's definitely underrated. And I thought the Kill Bill movies were overrated, uh, mm-hmm. o- overall. I mean, they were, they were fun, especially part two, but strangely enough, and this is not a spoiler. Uh, I actually thought it was him doing the voiceover in Hateful Eight, right? I am actually not sure about that. I'd have to look it up. I'm pretty sure it was. And it, it was actually for the first time, maybe. And I'm saying this because his appearance in Django Unchained at the very end was so jarring and shitty that it was it was such a 180 in this to just hear his voice and like him actually be helpful and like restrained. And I, I thought it was uh, was real nice, actually. Yeah, he is the un, uncredited narrator. Uh, you're talking. Uh, it's funny. Uh, you mentioned the thing about Tarantino. Uh, in Inglorious Bastards, he wanted to play Aldo Rain uh, at one point, um, and and like there's the there's the part at the very end. This is something that I read in the uh, in a cracked article. Um, you know that he, if you imagine him being Aldo Rain at the end of the movie, where he's like, "This is gonna be my masterpiece," and then it just goes to a film by Quentin Tarantino. After that, <laughs> he, it would, it's about as insufferable as it gets. Oh my god! Uh, can you? I mean, that movie. I, I think Tarantino probably stood back and realized I was gonna ruin the movie if I was Aldo Rain. Can I just mention one more thing? And we may not even want to go there. I kind of want to go there. Is it just came up after watching Hateful Eight? Is it how obsessed with the N word this guy is? Yeah, yeah. And it's just, and I actually kind of did some backstory on it. It was interesting that you mentioned that uh, the only two directors that can get the best uh, out of Samuel L. Jackson is Spike Lee and Tarantino because they've had this feud going on since like 1994. Right. Well, and, Uh, and, and as an insert there, uh, uh, I don't know if you remember, he, Tarantino also did rewrites on Crimson Tide. Yeah. And, 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 uh, and uh, when he got on, he, 
Tarantino visited the set and Denzel Washington was like, what is it with that, by the way? What is it? <laughs> In front of everybody, apparently, too. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and, you know, here's a guy I think that, you know, the use of that word is just that it's excessive. It's not that he's not allowed to put it in his art. I don't think that's what we're trying to say here. Uh, I think that he just, especially with Django and, and, uh, and hateful eight, since he's in the era, it's like, I've got license to say that that's the way people were back then. But then Um, what about Pulp Fiction and Jackie Brown? You know what I mean? Yeah. But then yeah, Pulp Fiction, Jackie Brown, and even reservoir dogs to some extent, um, you know, he, he just, he goes over the board, you know, over the line on that too. And it's just, it's just, you know, it's just, especially especially his character in pulp fiction i just don't think oh any God, yeah. <laughs> i just don't think any white white guy would ever tell a black guy the stuff that quentin tarantino does in pulp fiction it's just not believable at all right yeah um but you are right he is obsessed with it and i think after he got you know uh he got a little torched over it uh for uh pulp fiction uh, I think he's, he's, he said, well, you know what, this is art and I'm going to, I'm just going to, I'm just going to go ahead to, to not to go back now would mean to say that I was wrong. So well, now yeah, I'm just going to, like, yeah, 99.99% of movies in the universe can make movies without uttering this word but like it's like i don't know if he's making period pieces just to be able to insert it or or whatever but like it's like come on i don't know i guess you'd expect it and everything and hateful eight but But it's 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 it's, you're it's exactly what you're talking about though it's it is it is because we're in that era i have a license to 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 do that and i'm going to do it as much as possible and and who knows i don't know if people back then said it that much uh, but seriously, you could cut it down just a little bit and we'd get yeah. the idea. Even everybody gets one in. in this movie. Yeah, exactly. You could, <laughs> you don't need, you don't need 500 uses of it. They should have the, uh, cinema sins ding pop up once, uh, once, once it's all over, once he hits his quota. we'd have to figure out what the quota is and then and then move on you know like you said every character says it then we go all right there's the ding yeah apparently there's something like 68 in this and uh somewhere around or maybe it was 68 for Django unchained and like 39 and jackie brown like somebody actually went back and uh counted all these things up which must have been an insufferable task but yeah yeah i remember when before cinema sins when i was cutting together that um Pulp Fiction, just the cussing edit. And I was basically trying to leave in anything that would get censored on television and be considered a swear in that environment. But like, I actually caught heat from people in the comments about including the N-word along with the swear words. Like, that's not a swear word. I'm like, what? what? <laughs> I don't think it is. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, well, you know, it, it doesn't that word sort of... Um, it's different from a swear word in that I, I, I'm, I'm, I was trying to, I'm trying to think of this the other day, actually, and I don't want to go too far into it because, um, you know, it, but it seem it seems like it is different from a, a normal swear word. Um, it's weird to me that stuff like, you know, on Chappelle's show, you could hear it a bunch, but now they censor it. Um, and they'll censor it during the day, but they won't censor it at night. Um, it's, 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 it's it's kind of a weird it's a it's a weird thing it's uh, there's a there's a delicate relationship with that word 
where it's worse than a swear word almost. Yeah. Um, well, especially in the hands of a non African American person. Right. That's right. The, exactly. The yeah. Just four uh, white guys talking about the N word. That's it. That's right. That's all we were doing. <laughs> That's that's the new name of the podcast, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about the N-word. Welcome everybody to the N word. <laughs> yes. Chris Atkinson, Jeremy Scott, Barrett Share, Jay Lalon. N word. <laughs> Come see us every Monday. Um, Can I have one more? The I think in your vein of the death proof uh, being underrated and everything. Where do we stand on from dust till dawn? Because it was essentially one half of a tarantino movie right well he wrote the script um and robert rodriguez directed it um it's uh but that first half is all tarantino first half yeah the first half is you would it's more tarantino than the actiony second half for sure uh but i think i think tarantino is the only credited screenwriter i'm not sure about that um but yeah that is i mean that is um, I love From Dust Till Dawn. Um, uh, it's it's just one of those it's one of those movies that's really fun, um, yeah, and uh, and uh, I, I like the I like the smart dialogue about vampires and stuff. Where George Clooney's like, you know, like I don't want to hear anything about I don't believe in vampires because <laughs> I don't fucking believe in vampires, and I but I know what I just saw, you know that type of thing, and. Uh, uh, so I, I love that type of thing, uh, in it. And it's just, it's just a fun movie. It's just, it, you know, it, that, that first half, like you said, there's, there's that, oh, it's very Tarantino. And then, and, uh, and then the second half is just nothing. It's just nothing but blowing up zombies. And it's got a lot of great, you know, character actors like, you know, Fred Williamson and Tom Savini and, um, yeah. you know, the, the, it's just, it's just a perfect B movie. Um, introducing uh, Ernest Liu. Yeah, <laughs> Ernest Liu, indeed. Um, it's also it is also whenever From Dust Till Dawn comes up, it is also the worst film disaster I ever had to deal deal with as a projectionist. Um, so <laughs> I have a lot of memories uh, for From Dust Till Dawn. I don't um, like it. You don't like the movie? Not. I'm not a big fan. It's all right though. We can disagree sometimes. So, well, no, go ahead and say your bullshit stuff so we can make fun of you. No, it's just, well, it's just sort of a tale of two movies to me. And I think I could have dug either one in full, but mashed together that way. It's just, I don't, I just don't enjoy watching it. It's no, there's no, I'm not like trying to pick out bad performances or anything. I just, uh, and I'm also never really been into like zombie vampire stuff either. Like, right. So I think that was part of the turnoff for me. Yeah, I agree. It's one of those. It's, if you if you can't get on board with the two different movies thing, then it's 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 you know you're like, what the hell am I watching? And especially if you don't get into vampires and stuff like that, and yeah, for sure, I can see that. I think I only saw it like one time, and I remember liking like the first half a lot more than the second half. Yeah, oh, um, yeah, and that was the, that was the kind of breakout feature performance for Clooney, wasn't it? You know, at least in it, terms of it, a, it was like a badass, right? It definitely was one of the first movies he did. Um, he was not. I don't think he was away from ER yet because I believe the Peacemaker was the movie that he made when he was away from ER. Yeah, uh, yeah. when he first got away from that. Uh, but uh, but yeah, it was getting he was getting there because the Peacemaker came out the next year. Um, so 
but yeah, from dust till dawn was something that showed what you could what you what you could get from Clooney when he's having fun and everything. Yeah, the super cool uh, badass that I guess kind of set the stage for uh, Danny Ocean and his character in Out of Sight, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and I, I didn't know, I mean, I, I really liked his performance in that, but like a lot of the movies that he tried to do post ER, uh, before out of sight and everything with, you know, I didn't know what kind of actor we would, we were getting cause the, you know, Peacemaker wasn't a very good movie. It's not a very memorable movie. Um, but you know, and then we got, you know, Batman and Robin also that same year, 97. Um, you know, we, <laughs> Clooney was known for that head bob and all that that's what that's what a lot of times people would talk about his performances it's like that guy can't stop shaking his head man <laughs> and um and uh but then yeah out of sight comes out and soderberg was like yeah you're gonna stop doing that and that was his first real good performance uh-huh. well, um, then, oh brother i think really just sealed the deal on yeah he's a real actor yeah oh yeah for sure um but, uh, you know, and I guess one other thing we can talk about Tarantino, we didn't really talk too much about True Romance. He, he wrote the screenplay for that. That's basically what started his career was True Romance. He sold that script and he was able to make Reservoir Dogs based off of that. And I um, love True Romance. I, my, I probably watched that movie 30 times in college. Yeah, same same here. True Romance is just one of those. That, that's another really fun movie. A lot of quotable dialogue in it. Yeah. Uh, Tony Scott directed it, which is, you know, that's that's the the weird Tony Scott, Quentin Tarantino connection that we got there in the mid-90s with that and Crimson Tide. Um, I would never uh, put those two people together and think yeah, they could make great movies, but they did. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, but true romance is just, is just balls out insane. Uh, Gary Oldman, that great performance at the beginning and, uh, Christian Slater, who's just at, at the top of his nineties, Christian Slaterness in that, <laughs> you know, uh, I, I, every time Christian Slater says something, I'm like wrapped up in it because he had, you know, he talks like this and he's always like, you know, Hey man, and he's, you know, as a, you know, I just love Slater back then, back in those days, you know? Um, but, uh, there's so many, like, there's so many, Great little uh, either cameos or small roles of James Gandolfini yep. and Brad Pitt and Chris Penn and Tom Sizemore and all these guys are just there. It rounds out that movie. Bronson Pinchot's in it. Yeah, um, you know, there's 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 so many little you know. Those, I love movies like that. Is we haven't seen anything really like that since. It's violent as hell too. Just like yeah. most of Tarantino's own directed stuff. Right, but you have that scene. Isn't that the scene uh, with uh, Christopher Walken and Dennis Hopper? Yes. Yeah. It's, oh, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah, incredibly tense and awesome dialogue and everything. Oh yeah, yeah. we've used it a couple of times in outtakes too. Um, uh, you know, that's just uh, and well, also if you're talking about obsessed with the N word, that's what that whole um, that whole exactly, speech yeah. ends up being uh, by the end of it. But uh, it's still great, even bes- even besides that. Um, you know what though, what's weird about true romance, you now we're talking in context of that. Um, you know, I think back in, uh, I think the movie came out in 94, 95, it was 95, I think. Uh, no, it was 93. True romance came out in 93. Um, the, um, the, you know, that, that little cut, that cut down of Christopher Walken's character 
is so great. But now when you watch it, you're, you're sitting there going, wow, maybe, maybe I shouldn't have laughed so much about the, 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 <laughs> the ending of that. You know, it was like back in 93, it felt okay. Now it's in a different context. <laughs> it's like, oh, Dennis Hopper, you're kind of racist, man. <laughs> what you're saying is surprising in, thing in, about in Dennis Hopper. Racist is what you're saying. What's that? Nothing. I just made a joke calling you racist. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm definitely racist, but everybody you knows. Know. <laughs> yeah, everybody knows that, so it's okay for me to be racist. Um, Again, uh, it's the name of the new podcast that's out. Everyone, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. New name in word on yeah. iTunes. <laughs> so, do we have any uh, Q and A type stuff? I'm searching through the hashtag Sincast right now, which is what I ask people to submit questions through. There's one or two I've seen that are, that are pretty interesting. Somebody asked about. The story behind the recurring sins, like if there's mm. a story behind um, skip or roll credits. And roll credits is one I do have a small story on. That's just something my friend Josh and I used to say back in the mid-90s when we would go watch every movie that came out. And uh, whenever the, whenever any characters in the movie would say the name of the movie, we would go, roll credits. And it's just <laughs> one of those things that is from my past that I incorporated into what we're doing now. And I think it, I still think it's pretty funny. Um, but I was watching an interview with uh, Penn Jillette once, and uh, he was talking about this film club he had in the seventies or eighties in New York with a bunch of famous people that would come watch movies with him. And uh, whenever they would say, whenever they saw somebody in the movie, say the name of the movie, the entire audience would stand up and applaud. <laughs> <laughs> so I love that completely separately. Um, I came up with a similar joke to something that a genius like Penn Jillette came up with. It's funny. They, the, you know, the roll credits thing, I don't think we had fully incorporated it yet, but I remember in insidious, um, when, uh, the Lynn Shea character says insidious, um, the, I, I wrote, Hey, that's the title of the movie. And that's what, you know, that's what goes in the video. And then later on, we started doing more roll credits. We may have just started it, but, um, but I didn't quite incorporate it into that script yet. Um, Are there any other recurring ones? Well, the Skip one, the only thing I remember about Skip was that it started with A-Team. Um, and it's not just, it's not because A-Team was in particular um, a, just a, a movie that, that felt like I needed to skip so much from it or whatever. It's not, I mean, sure, it's not a very good movie, but, um, but it I, for somewhat, for some reason, it it really bothers me, especially in movies like this, where you have a guy um, who knows a main female character that they meet uh, randomly somehow, like they they're just they're just hanging out on a military base, and Jessica Biel shows up, and of course Jessica Biel and Bradley Cooper have been dating before they've had they've had a relationship before the movie uh, actually started or whatever. And so inevitably, whenever you have this situation, you have a couple that has to fight about something and they're not even together anymore. It's always like, well, I guess that's why you left me, blah, 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 you know, that type of thing. So every time I hear that, I'm just like, I don't want to see this. It, you're going to get together anyway by the end of it because of something stupid anyway. Uh, so skip, you know, that's basically what came into my head uh, when when that first came about and i think we used the skip thing like three times in a team because 
every time Bradley Cooper and Jessica, Jessica Biel show up, they have to talk about something that happened in the past and it's just, just annoying. But uh, other recurring ones, what are some other ones? A lot of them are just based on common, like the Prometheus school of running away is a recurring joke, but it, I think everybody knows what we're referencing there at this point. Right. And, um, and, and the, the scene does not contain a lap dance, which we, which we don't do much anymore. Um, uh, that was that was in that very first video, and that was basically you can tell the story on that. I think we did before, but you can go ahead and tell it again. Might as well put it on record. Um, yep. So the idea was basically to, in my mind, was to come up with a way to say that we thought, or the the sin voice guy thought Emma uh, Stone was attractive, and long long ago, um, there was a. There was a movie I saw a trailer for, and the way I remember it, and this may just be made up, I don't know, it was so long ago, but the trailer had a clip of a lap dance, and then the movie did not. And so what I came up with was, well, let's just say, when Emma Stone's sitting on that picnic table, this scene doesn't have a lap dance. Like, it should, but it doesn't. Um, and as we went along, it just kind of started to feel a little too pervy, um, because we don't really go to strip clubs and get lap dances and we wouldn't really advocate they be in movies. Right. Well, so, and that movie was Death Proof. I mean, Death Proof was in the Grindhouse version of Death Proof um, gets to the Vanessa Ferlito scene where she's about to give a lap dance to Kurt Russell and um, and and it cuts. It says scene deleted or whatever in the Grindhouse version. Ah, okay. um, but when you go to Death Proof, the actual regular version of it, it's in there and it's pretty phenomenal um, <laughs> um it's but, all related yeah it's all related um but uh but yeah i mean I, and I think another reason for it was just that we were trying to come up with sort of a, a you know an asshole way of of saying that even though this is not a technically a flaw in the movie it's a technically a flaw for me that i don't get to see that um, in, in the movie. So it sort of became a springboard for a lot of other, like, you know, you know, a lot of times we'll just, we'll just write something garbage in there because it's something that we personally wanted to see in the movie. Um, and it wasn't there and oh, we were upset coming up. Um, I actually, it will already be out by the time this podcast comes out, but it's, a uh, in fantastic four, that sin about, me wishing the monkey came back with powers and rampaged the earth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's not a sin on the movie. That movie's plenty terrible on its own. But yeah, we, we do that plenty where we just go, ah, this would have been better if it took a left turn here and did this. Right, um, right. Anyway, nowadays, the, the girl is hot sins are generally uh, stuff like so-and-so is not my girlfriend in the scene or, or what have you. And I think there's still people that think that's too sexist, uh, even though we're playing a character, but who cares? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Those people can just get over it. Well, and if those people are listening to this podcast, they've already tuned out because we're pretty pervy in this thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, not terribly. I don't think we've been terribly pervy today. No, I mean, we could definitely be worse for sure. Uh, oh, for, and we have been in yeah, the past. Definitely. Uh, is there anything music video sins related that you guys write uh, a bunch well, speaking of pervy, we do have a J-Lo Iggy Azalea uh, booty video coming out here soon, and it's just three minutes of ass. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, like, if for whatever we lacked in perviness in this podcast, I promise you uh, we will make up for it in that video. I was talking to somebody 
this was several months ago, but we were talking about the difference between the writing on the main channel and you guys' channel. And I was like, well, the music video sins are a little bit more pervy than ours. <laughs> the guy goes, a little bit. <laughs> well, and it, it's, it, it comes from the fact that music videos are almost, you know, they're three or four minutes condensed and they're almost always selling the artist and the artist, if it's female, uh, it's, they're going to put her in, you know, these revealing clothes and yeah. all that. And it's, you know, you don't have a real story. You have a whole bunch of images that are basically like, you know, you know, uh, boy, this girl's hot, isn't she? She's hot. Boy, she's hot. You know, <laughs> that's a, yeah, that's such an unfair criticism. You know, like it, it, watch any music video ever created, and the theme is always sex. So, like, right? Um, yeah, I, I'm sorry. I just like we're just commenting on um, what's taking place. So, well, and and I think that if I think if the Fast and the Furious movies were five minutes long, which would be great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's all it would be. Yeah. It would be it would be asses and cars. Exactly. And there's a part in Furious Seven where there's a girl who you know one of the you know the starting whatever you call those girls that start the race. Uh, I'm sure they have a role. They have you know something like continuity girl in the James Bond movie. <laughs> um, but uh, but like you know that girl they show her ass like three times for no reason. Oh Just, yeah. It was like, here it is, here it is, here it is a really long time. <laughs> and uh, and then finally the race starts. Well, I think we even uh, commented on that in our video, right? Uh, yeah, it was about, it, we, ass, said that, we said that her ass has her own agent and because it was in there for <laughs> like 15 times. <laughs> My um, favorite one uh, from the, that stuck out is the Nicki Minaj uh, Anaconda video. Oh, yeah. Where, and it actually ended up being the, the, uh, the caption to the the screenshot or the thumbnail on the YouTube thing, but it's just her in this perfect position of like, you know, sticking her ass out in the back and everything. And the caption is, excuse me, miss your asshole is showing. Yeah. 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 That was definitely Jay's. Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, and that's coming back every once in a while too. Well, like, that's, excuse me. It's, it's so blatant and that's so true. Like there are, <laughs> it's so, it's frankly, it's kind of gross to be honest with you. It's just so, it's, it's an ongoing joke. You guys were talking about this earlier, but it's an ongoing jo joke that kind of uh, keeps popping up in every single music video. So I, we've actually got comments in the past from people who watch the videos where they're just like, oh, yes, they were on it again. There it is. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, they would have been they would have been disappointed if you didn't yeah. talk about the ass. Yeah. Yeah. If, they, if people think we're pervy now, they should see the stuff that we cut out. Including that video you were just talking about. What's that? Including that Nicki Minaj video. I don't want to go into what we cut, but there was a real haunchy <laughs> one that we cut. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's another one here I thought might be interesting for you know a little wrap-up discussion. And it's, uh, have you ever seen a movie that you thought was bad and then seen it again later and liked it? And then hmm, I think I know that's happened. Uh, go ahead and, and try to think of one, but I, I know that's happened before. For me, the best example is Kids in the Hall Brain Candy. Mm. Oh, yeah. Good one. And I was I was a big fan of their show and their sketches. And I went into the movie pretty blind. And it was just so shocking. Um, it was almost the way I remember viewing uh, the South Park movie. Like, I was almost so shocked the first time through. I, but my brain didn't catch up to be able to enjoy it. Right. And then, like six months later, a friend brings it home uh, from the video store and I watch it again and I died laughing. I was I was in hysterics. 
especially the 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 big musical number that always gets me i always think that's the funniest thing in that movie that big musical number and you know because he's like i'm gay i'm gay you know but (laughs) yeah um i love that i love that whole thing um you know, you're talking about comedies. There's a lot of comedies that over the years that I didn't like the first time. And I think a lot of times it's because I would watch comedies by myself because I was a projectionist. And, uh, and you know, you just watch, you just sit there and watch a comedy. A lot of times you're like, yeah, that's pretty funny or whatever. So I thought Anchorman was okay uh, when I first watched it. Um, but then everybody started talking about Anchorman and I was like, ah, did I miss something in that movie? And then I watch it again and I'm like, Oh, okay. I see what everybody's laughing about now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. it's, it's, it's a completely different set of circumstances when you watch the the movie in a, in, in a theater at like midnight with nobody in there, uh, right. as opposed to the seven o'clock Friday night sold out movie. Yeah. Isn't it the, the total opposite for dramas? Because I was uh, well, maybe not in the the theater, but I was thinking Deer Hunter was mine. Oh, uh, Ooh, that's I, a movie I, I still don't like. Well, I saw it, you know, almost distracted the first time that I saw it. I was kind of coming in and out, and it wasn't, you know, my primary focus and everything. And and that's a movie that probably demands your attention. And so I watched it actually by myself later on, and just kind of like dived in. And it's it, it's one of those. This is another podcast topic of it's a movie that i love that i would never want to see again right and a good topic somebody write that down yeah yeah we definitely need to do that because (laughs) there are movies like deer hunter and blade runner um you know that just for whatever reason however many times you give it a chance now i i I like blade runner okay i'm not as i'm not as huge as a lot of people are on it and, and there's still some people who don't like it um, even no matter how many times they watch it, but deer hunter, man, I've watched that movie three times and, um, and I, and never once have I thought it was good. Um, there was, it's one of those movies that I feel like it gets, uh, it gets a lot of, uh, praise because of the Russian roulette scene. Yeah. And yeah. It's an intense scene. It's intense. It really is. It's, it's the best part of the movie, but everything leading up to that i'm just kind of like oh man this is you know it's like pittsburgh steel workers and uh <laughs> i think it's just because you hate the steelers that you hate this I, movie. I, yeah it's it's part it's part of the steel steelers thing too um because they're all steelers fans and they're <laughs> and they're awful people <laughs> <laughs> they're all awful people <laughs> Um, Jay, do you have a yeah. movie that you didn't like? Basically, like any Tom Cruise film, um, up front, and then I go back and watch it. I'm like, God, this okay? It's good. It, I don't. It's something about him. I think. Like, I don't want to like it, and then I'll go back. And I'm like, Oh, Mission Impossible. That was like a you know a jerk off action film, and I'm like, Oh, cool. All right, I'm in. Um, but one in particular, like Vanilla Sky, like I didn't really mm, care for it. Yeah, up front. another it, good one there for that kind of discussion, uh, whether you can like it after four or five times of not liking it. But go ahead. Well, I just think like, I don't know, maybe it's a different time in my life where um, where I was like, oh, I kind of understand this now. I don't, maybe I was sober the second time. I'm not sure. I have no <laughs> idea. But like, uh, I just, it, it's a tough question. So whoever uh, asked it, uh, I think you kind of. Then you have a movie like for me, like a movie that you you watch frequently, maybe because you want to like it more than you do, but you don't hate it. And like Cloud Atlas for me, I've seen that movie three times, Mm -hmm. and I'm still dead center 
Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there are things about it I love, and there are things about it I think are terrible, and they just coexist, and I'm going to have to accept it one day. Yeah, and that's basically <laughs> what that movie is, isn't it? It's just it's a lot of good and a lot of terrible. Yeah, and there's no redeeming, there's no bringing down the good, and there's no bringing up the terrible. Yeah. Uh, and that's, yeah, that's a fascinating movie to talk about. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. Uh, I, I saw it twice in theaters. I wanted to like it so bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, that one's a good one. Um, you know, I, I actually didn't like the departed too much when I first watched it. Mm. Um, I, and I, and I fell into a trap with the departed because it was Scorsese and I was expecting mind blowing Scorsese movie. And when I first watched it, I was like, eh, okay, it's okay, I guess, you know, whatever. And I liked it. All right. But then I watched it again and, and I love it. And I've probably seen it 20 times now. Yeah. I will never not watch that movie. If it's on. Right. Same here. <laughs> right. This has been the Sincast. We're coming, uh, we're doing this every Monday in case you wanted to know. Uh, and, uh, I guess we're signing off. Uh, this is Chris Atkinson, Jeremy Scott, Barrett scare, Bar- Bar- Barrett scare. Barrett scare. <laughs> Boom. Yes. Barrett Share and Jay Lalonde. We will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. Make sure to check out Cinema Sins on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Tumblr. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com. I like I don't even know what Jeremy smells like. <laughs> yeah. You know? But to answer your question, Jeremy smells of bergamot. <laughs> Hence of vanilla <laughs> and booze. I really wanted to talk about that movie Paul Giamatti made with Frankie Muniz. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was I was hoping one of you guys would bring that up. Actually, here, here here's a forum for you to talk about Paul Giamatti and Frankie Muniz in the <laughs> same movie. Called? Was it Big Fat Liar? Was that it? I think it was Big Fat Liar, actually. I just remember Giamatti's covered in blue paint at some point in the movie. Does anybody know what's going on here? I know what's going on. We got a bunch of fucking vampires out there trying to get in here and suck our fucking blood. And that's it. Plain and simple. And I don't want to hear anything about, I don't believe in vampires. Because I don't fucking believe in vampires. What I believe in my own two eyes. And what I saw is fucking vampires. Now, do we all agree that what we are dealing with is vampires?